right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. It's great to see you, Barney. It's great to be back. How you doing? It is great to be back. It's been ages, hasn't it? It's been a ridiculous amount of time, actually, hasn't it? I think it's been longer than two months since we last did a podcast. It's before the World Cup. What a different world we lived in. I know how things have changed since then. Roberto <laughs> <laughs> Martinez was just a glint in the eye of uh, Portuguese national team fans. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, I, I respect what he's been doing this week, and I quite like the fact he's gone to some of these other games and the checkout players. I mean, that's that's all good signs. Um, I think I need to get an apology in quickly, Albert, because uh, to our listeners, because um, I've recently just finished reading um, "Expected Goals" by Rory Smith, which you you got me for my <laughs> birthday. So. Um, you know, for me now, data is everything. Um, <laughs> I won't be taking any interest in the actual table. It will just be the expected table for me. You know, <laughs> the points, the goals don't matter. It's all about expected goals, expected goals against. So uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> <of> team. <laughs> I knew that was a bad idea. I knew that was oh, a bad mate, idea. Honestly, in all seriousness, it's a, it's a great book. And it's not It's not all about like, oh, XG is this, this, this. this. It's, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's stories. It's really interesting. And actually, somebody pops up. I remember texting you when I read it. And Roger Schmidt pops up on this. But what's, what I found interesting is, um, is that he's one of these managers who is not afraid of it when people start doing these things. And he actually hired a, a blogger who was doing all these reports about um, all, the, all the statistics and stuff and he saw this as a really interesting thing he had, he employed this blogger for his um, when he's at Frankfurt I think and then that blogger is now a coach at Leeds you know so, so oh, wow. like, so I, and you know seeing some of the signings that Benfica are making this window you know I, I think it all comes hand in hand you know Roger Smith obviously the the real quality in these players and, and, and using the data to, to you know, make these decisions, and I'm um, just great to see a club like Ben Vega uh, potentially taking that on as well. Well, you allude to a couple of signings that Ben Vega have made o- over the summer transfer window. It's probably worth us saying at the beginning of the show. It's been so long since we last did a show that there's almost no point in even trying to do some kind of recap. Me and Barney considered trying to do some kind of recap episode where we just round up everything that's happened since we last did a podcast, but there's just so much. Um, that I don't think it's worth it. So we're just going to deal with new signings, managerial changes and all that type of stuff uh, as and when it comes up. Uh, and also I will just shamelessly plug um, a little article that we did on the Portugal.net website, which was exactly that, a roundup of all the things that you might have missed um, while the World Cup was happening, including transfer rumours, uh, signings, departures and uh, managerial changes. So definitely go and, and check that out. But I think we should probably just get stuck in Barney because um, we were treated for our first week back to the Lisbon Derby, one of the biggest games, of course, in the Premier League season. Now, so often these games, these big games, don't live up to the expectations that we have for them, especially I find the ones that UK TV decide to pick up, they almost uh, inevitably end up being boring games. But this was a really, really good spectacle. Um, twice Sporting took the lead and twice Gonzalo Ramos equalised for Benfica, meaning the game ended 2-2. I think it was a fair result, but I think if we're being honest, going into the game, the general consensus from not just us, but Benfica and I think a lot of Sporting fans was that Benfica were ready to win this game comfortably. So what changed, Barney? Was Sporting better than expected or when Benfica worse? I think, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I really thought, I remember texting saying, I think, Benfica was easily won this and it could be a heavy defeat for Sporting 
um, having seen them last week. Um, but I think what happened in this game was Amaran got it, got his tactics right for the game. You know, from from the kickoff, really, they were they were good at keeping possession well, but also whilst inviting Benfica on for the press, and then they were sort of able to play around that and get the ball to put in Agate, and that they were sort of always an option. And it was a it was a, a really impressive first sort of twenty minutes, though, wasn't it? From Sporting, it was so dangerous, and then it was just it's just poor disappointing defending sort of always sloppiness that it's always surprising well not surprising now but you know that's, that's something sporting prided themselves on was being a really rock solid defense but you know two two goals which could have been avoided in my opinion and that that set them back so yeah I, I agree with you I think it was a fair result but I, I really was impressed with how Amway had got sporting up for this one and, and how they played out that first half I thought that was a really good sign for something we need to see them sporting for a little while now yeah, I think I completely agree. I think it was a weird game of of positives and negatives for Sporting. And if we start with the positives, I think once they got over the kind of, I think Benfica did start the game well. I think there was good ten fifteen minutes of good pressure from Benfica. But once Sporting settled into the game, I thought they were the better team for the rest of the first half. It was good to see them playing with, I, I don't know whether to call it confidence, but but passion. They definitely got themselves up to the derby, which was good to see. Um, they, of course, got themselves a really good first goal. I always say this, it's such a cliche, but it's so key for key, for teams to score when when the pressure's on, you know, when they've got the momentum. And I think Sporting really did that. Benfica could have scored in the first 20 minutes and didn't. Um, Sporting then had their moment of, of dominance and they capitalised on it. And then, of course, in the second half, um, I thought it was a bit more evenly matched, but uh, they managed to get themselves a, a goal, a wily goal, shall we say, with the penalty, um, we won't draw another penalty too. Like, I will just say, I, I, I was surprised by how many people were surprised by the penalty shout. I thought yeah. it was as clear a penalty as you'll see in in any game all season. But on the negative side, for me, I think they still looked looked shaky defensively, and I think that's the, that's the biggest issue. As you, as you were right to highlight, it's very poor defensively from Coates and for me, Inacio, those two for that first goal. I think Coates needs to get a better touch on the ball. And Anasio needs to be quicker to get goal side of, of or even just closer to Ramos. And then you look at the second goal, it's it's the same thing. It's a ball across the box and the defence are in a line, but they're just not quick enough to to get to the dangerous part of the box. Ramos is there waiting and it's an easy tap in. So it was it was a funny game of 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 ups and downs. Defensively they were weak. The one real positive I think we have to highlight for sporting was the threat they had down that right hand side all game. Well, while they were on the pitch. Uh, Pedro Porro and Marcus Edwards were at their best in this game for me. There was no surprise that it was the connection between those two that led to the first goal. And also, I think it was that same connection which at least created the chance which led to the penalty, right? So, I said before the game that Edwards hasn't been in the best form recently. You know, we, we obviously praise him a lot, but I think we can also be fair to say he's not been in great form. He had a very poor game against Maritano, Um, But he performed when it mattered in this game. Likewise, Pedro Porro, who... Since his first season where he was really excellent, one of the league's best players, he, he's been a bit up and down with injuries and form and stuff, but this was a game where he showed exactly what he could do. He was playing at his best. I'm hoping they weren't just playing like that because Spurs' the scouts were in town, but nonetheless, they, they were magnificent, I thought. Yeah, and I actually thought Ed was just a bit unlucky to come off as uh, when he did, you know, about the 70th minute mark. So, you know, I thought he was still looking like he had uh, something to... To offer certainly, he was a, he was quite a positive 
play in that sporting team. I mean, to sort of going back quickly up to the, sort of the defensive areas we were talking about there, I think what that it just sort of, it really highlights the the where, where sporting squad is lacking, right? It's it is certainly those areas. Yeah, uh, the rumours about um, signing Lelo from Casapia are, are exciting. I hope that that potentially comes off because that's uh, you know as good as Nuno Santos has been. I think particularly for that second goal, you know there was no communication between him and Reece. You know they were they were they were. It, nowhere near Ogun Colin Ramos. He should have been quicker back there and also a bit more communication. Well, well sorry, can I, can I just interrupt you, Bonnie? Because I, I do think it's ironic that the one position Benfica looking at in that defence is left back. And for me, Nuno Santos has probably been, other than Pedro Poirot, the best part of that that back five. So, you know, it's slightly ironic that they've, they've not gone for a centre back, but I digress. And yeah, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, I know. And uh, centre back as well. I don't know what's. But that, that's the other thing I was saying to you during the game, you know, like thinking about that formidable sporting defence and that season winning team you know not much has changed has it and you know but anyway I, 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 you know get away from the point but um, yeah I think it was certainly a better performance from sporting than I was expecting I guess the question we've got to ask Albert is you know the, the, the top before the game was they needed to win this one didn't they and mm-hmm. and, and, and to sort of keep hopes of a, a Champions League spot which is as the season progresses, it's going to become increasingly important. And it seems to me that I felt like they they just didn't end the game going for the winners. Well, they had that chance. The young kid, Shemetti, uh, sort of missed a, a good opportunity. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, th- I thought that the game sort of drifted off towards the end for them. Well, this was a really key point that I wanted to, I wanted to highlight because for me, I was really perturbed by Ruben Amarillo's substitutions. Firstly, I do not understand why, and this is just me, tell me if I'm being a conspiracy theorist, but Marcus Edwards is always the first to get subbed. He was much better than Trincao in this game, and I don't know why Trincao stayed on longer than Marcus Edwards. I didn't think Edwards looked tired. I thought he looked bright. He looked ready to make an impact. He was the second best player on the pitch for me after Pedro Porro, and I don't know why Ruben Amarim continues to be to take him off at the first opportunity. That surprises me. But it wasn't just Edwards, because... Sporting ended the game with a completely different attacking three. They brought off Edwards first, and they brought on Arta Gomez. Then they bring on Chemiti, the striker, and then they bring on Javan, a left wing. And they end the game with a completely different front three, including Yusuf Chemiti, who is making his debut for the first team. Not only that, Barney, he's not played this season at all, not even for the B team or the under-21s or whatever. He played in pre-season and hasn't played a single game. And that attack fluffed its chances, right? They had, those three players were not good enough. Chimiti fluffed that big chance to cut the ball across for a tap-in. And I think Javan as well, there were times when he had a break on that he just couldn't make the most of. You know, he, he would break down a counter-attack. So I think the game was there to be taken and, and, and Amram's substitutions really confused me because I think you can leave on Polino and you can leave on Edwards and I would have taken off Trincao first personally because I thought he was making the least impact. So that was that was just something that perturbed me and I, and I didn't quite understand I did want to get your thoughts on some comments that Amarin made after the game about Chimiti. I thought this was quite interesting. Um, he was asked about Chimiti and, and the possibility of signing a new striker. And, and Ruben Amarin said, well, if Yusuf Chimiti signs a new deal, then there's no reason for me to look for a new striker in January. Well, one, I find that quite hard to understand because why would you suddenly put so much faith in an unproven striker? And two, I don't know who you're trying to kid Amarin, but you haven't been looking for a striker anyway. It's, he doesn't need an excuse to not want to buy a striker if we include this window the January transfer window Ruben Everham hasn't been looking for a striker for sports team for the last four transfer windows in fact 
he got rid of Thiago Tomas on loan, which I didn't disagree with the decision. I didn't think Thiago Tomas was amazing, but the fact that they've just got no striker other than uh, Paulinho and then he's playing this this young kid and saying, well, if he signs and he's the only striker I need. I just found the whole thing bizarre with, with his attacking options. He he was defensively weak. Midfield, they were good, um, but attack was what was what was making the game from there. In my opinion, an opportunity to kill the game Um and, and Amarim takes off the attack and, and, and the game just fizzles out bizarre to me. And maybe I'm rambling, yeah. but I don't know if you agree with that. No, no, I do. Have, but I'm just, I think I wanted to talk about a bit more about the midfield, though, because as you touched on there, the midfield was really good. And I think uh, the, the BZ commentators sort of uh, brought the stats like that um, Mugate and Pote, that midfield combination for Sporting has only led to one win this season. But I thought in this game it worked really, really well. I was so impressed with Garte. I mean, everyone was after the game, you know. The um the uproar from on the Twitter you know just praising this guy and I and I, I don't know if you're gonna want us to come in there <laughs> because we we were having a lot of debate during the game but you know you uh, about his <laughs> aggressiveness and well as I was saying to you he's a great player but he shouldn't have been on the pitch he should have had two yellow cards I mean I don't please don't misconstrue this because I'm a big Manuel Agate fan and I, I agree he he put in the type of performance which shows what a top player he will be um but I have. I don't think he should have been on the pitch. I think he committed two or three yellow card defences. He only got one card. That's yeah. Well, no, I I, I would say players on the edge, and you <laughs> know, have to agree to disagree. <laughs> he he might have known uh, the limits of the referee was going. But they've had a good game, by the way. I thought the referee had a really good game. But yeah, I I mean, yeah, they were just they're they're really good, and and perhaps this is a combination that they will sort of try and build on. You know, that because it, it did work quite well, and, and even Pedro Gonzalez, you know. Did, the work was there. He had that ability to sort of turn his man and 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 get the ball playing forward. So, yeah, I think that was a that was a real positive for for Sporting this game. I wouldn't mind moving on to Benfica though, who particularly Goncalo Ramos. You know, we've just been talking about Sporting's sort of striking options, and 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 what I really like about Goncalo Ramos is this. I feel like he's fighting a battle all season. You know, with perhaps people saying he's not clinical enough. Um, obviously, Benfica have been active in this window and brought in a striker in. Um, Casper Tegnestead, um for ten million, you know, so that's that's perhaps a player that Schmidt can use to sort of say to Ramos, look, we've got someone here. You need to, we've got someone now who who could who could start. So you need to start, um, you know, being a bit more consistent. And I don't, I don't know if that was too harsh in itself. You know, I think it's, it's, it has been this year before this game was the longest gone drought, uh, goal drought. Sorry, he's um, he's gone on this season, but so. But, you know, he took his chances and I, I just think he's getting better and better. And I, and I really, really like him as a striker. I thought he found it, found the space so well for both his goals. Um, he's, he, yeah, I just think... Uh, I'm interested to see what you think because, like I said, the, the thing that I like about him is that there is, seems to be this constant theme of he's not good. He's perhaps not good enough for them. Yeah. Well, the numbers don't lie, do they? 11 goals and, and four assists in 14 league games this season, um, especially after... Uh... Uh, eye-catching display at the World Cup as well. His, his reputation, I think, is probably in, in quite a good place. I have to say, for me, the jury's still out on Ramos. I think I find it really hard to to analyse a player like him because when I when I look at him and I look at his game, I ask myself, you know, what are this guy's outstanding attributes? Well, he's a poacher, I suppose, because he, he gets a lot of goals. They're not necessarily all spectacular goals, but they don't have to be. But then outside of that, you know, is he physically exceptional? Well, he looks fairly strong yeah, and, and, and burly so he can handle himself he's not particularly quick I don't think he's exceptional exceptional technically he's not got great pace um, so it's, it's he's just a funny type of player because you look at him and, and you struggle to point 
pinpoint what his key attributes are other than putting the ball in the back of the net and, and maybe it's as simple as that maybe if you're scoring goals at a high level you don't need any other attributes so you know I, I've always struggled to kind of analyse him but that's probably just me myself not being able to appraise you know a good player it wouldn't be the first time Before this game you know the the, the game since the World Cup you know I think it was it was two goals and three games for Benfica and, and that was despite them creating some chances I guess we can also look at the the attacking midfielders he went with in this game Rafa obviously had a fantastic game again and some of his dribbles were ridiculous and yeah mind-blowing if anything but um Jean-Marie Ausnes on the either side of him on, on the on the wings almost just was it I do rate Ausnes and I think he you know I think playing in his uh preferred position as a defensive mid I think we see the best of that I I was sort of assuming that Schmidt played him out there for the, his work rate to sort of try and cover Porro and, and, and nullify that, but that didn't really seem to happen, did it? You know, Porro had lots of joy. So, yeah, that was an interesting decision that, that you know, particularly with Neres on the bench. I, I don't understand why he persists with playing Ausnes at the top. I suppose he played him as a number eight or a number 10 rather than on the wing, but it was just, I just find it bizarre because he ends up chasing the game like a headless chicken and he, his work rate is excellent, but all I see him do is just sprint around the pitch after the ball. I've seen him play really well when he was played further back, when he had the game in front of him, when yeah. he could, you know, get his foot on the ball when he had more time. I, I, you know, far be it from me to question the decisions of Roger Smith, a man who's got Benfica to the top of the table, but that's just one thing personally I don't understand. Answers on a postcard, please, any of our listeners who can tell me, you know, what he's contributing to the team in that position that maybe David Neres would be better to start you know, start rather than bring him off the bench as a third attacker. Maybe John Murray can play in the middle. I don't know, but I felt like they looked like a bit more of a threat with with Neres on the pitch, and and I just don't think it's Alves's best position. But you know, like I said, I'm, I'm possibly not the best judge. Um, do you think it's it's a bit early to call this a dip in form for Benfica because obviously they had that quite damaging loss to to Braga, their first loss of the season, notably uh, not long ago, and then they follow that up with this draw against Sporting. It's funny because before the World Cup. I pretty much had them tied up for the title, and 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 since then, you know, it, they just seem to have slightly lost that that sheen they had about them, that aura that they had about them before the World Cup. They may well get it back in a couple of games with with a few big performances, but you know, maybe now they're just looking over their shoulder at Porto. You know, and now we've seen that they're not indestructible, that they they can be beaten. You know, maybe there's just a slight kind of loss of imperiousness about them. Yeah, perhaps, and and I think that's why them being active in this transfer window is is important, right? I think we mentioned the Kasper Tengsler already, the the Norwegian striker, but the perhaps the more most interesting one is um, Andreas Schöndrup, the eighteen year old Norwegian winger who, because I'd never heard of Kasper Tengsler, but I had heard of Schöndrup, and and there'd been rumors before about him moving to big clubs. You know, there there was I, there, there, he was always always been dubbed as a, as a one a potential wonder kid, and the fact that they've gone out and got him, and he can play, you know, through the middle or on on the wing, I think that's going to be really useful to them because just to give them that sort of kick up the arse, and 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 so yeah, that, that I think that's going to be vitally important for them. I don't know, but I think the game finished, and I felt that the vibe inside the stadium was that they should have won this. I didn't feel like it wasn't a negative. Oh God, we we go for a slip. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see, but I think. I think they're still going to. They've still got enough in that squad, and and Roger Smith certainly showed himself to be an excellent manager for them to, you know, still be almost nailed on favourites for the league. Obviously, it's, it's it's got a bit tighter. I I did just want to 
talk about one more player for Benfica. Because um, when I saw the statistic, it was the day after the game, actually, I was at, my mind was actually blown. Um, it's, it's Odysseus who played his 200th game for Benfica in that derby. The statistic that came hand in hand with that is that of those 200 games, he's conceded 199 goals, which is essentially a goal a game. And to be frank, that's pretty dreadful for, a, a, you know, a, a a big free keeper. Let's be honest. You know that that's not not what you expect from someone at that club. You'd expect that for stuff like a, a team lower that much lower down the table. So, you know that's another area that perhaps Schmidt's going to have to look, want to look to improve on. And um, maybe we'll wait for the summer. But yeah, I just found that quite surprising. I wasn't wasn't expecting that. Yeah, much much higher than I would expect it as well. Um, well, look, let's let's talk about Porto Barney. Of course, Porto would have been um, a team delighted to see Benfica get one point uh they closed the gap on first place to five points and they sit one point behind Braga they're currently in third place they played family cow at the weekend it was a very routine win two goals from Galeno one from Otavio uh, and one from Mediterranean plus a late consolation meant they ran out four one winners and at this point in the season I think you have to say that any points gained against Benfica is is, is a good thing yes certainly and I they were also in sort of need of a, a, a good performance like this, weren't they, Porto? Because they, you know, since they've come up from the World Cup, it hasn't all been all been plain sailing. And I think that I think the reason that this performance was so good is that it was down to two players really stepping up and making themselves key players in this team, and that's uh, Galeno and Tony Martinez. I think Galeno he's been bubbling a little while now, and I, I think he could be getting started, and we're seeing more of that directness we used to see in Luis Diaz you know Otavio is still doing a fantastic job on that right hand side but in terms of the balance and the team you still need someone with that pace and and, and believe in themselves that they can beat a man on, on that other side I think and Galen is certainly doing I mean his, his goals were tappings and, and he should have had a hat trick after that um, goosey like back heel from Pepe that, that was like <laughs> oh Brilliant. I wonder that's going so bad but I, I think he's He's looking excellent, really, really, you know, really good. And, and perhaps I'd go as far as saying, you know, he's he's now made that step up from. We'll have to see what he can do in the Champions as well. But um, but I think he's made that step up from Braga to Porto without being too disrespectful to Braga. Braga, if you see what I mean, I think that there's certainly been his, his game has gone up another level. But um, the other player I mentioned, Tony Martin, is I, I think he's I think he's been brilliant in you know coming into that front line again. And I just really, you know, some great touches, um, good directness, you know, good with his feet. But I feel like I've said this before, and then he's just bang out the team again. And I would love for him to get a longer, longer stint this time because I think he's just, I don't know, I really, really rate him. But I just don't think uh, Conchastel rates him as highly as I do. Well, it's funny because I, Barney, I picked out exactly the two same players as, as you did when I was thinking of, you know, highlights from this team. In his performance and Antonio Martinez was absolutely that. It's funny because he didn't get on the he didn't get on the score sheet, but he, he was really influential in the game. And I think he was more influential than Mediterranean, even though Teremi got got a goal. Like you, Galeno, I thought it was really important for him to get two goals in the game. And if he can start making that kind of contribution on a regular basis, that would be really important for Porto. But it, you know, it's 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 not just about individual players. It's about the fact that you know, in this game. Porto start with a centre-back partnership of, of Cardoso and, and Marcano. They start with Grouch in midfield. They start with Martinez up top. Uh, Galeno gets two goals and these players are all having good games. It's really important for me to see Porto playing well when rotating the squad, seeing those squad players 
influencing games because I think that's something we've 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 worried about in the past was strength and depth or not necessarily strength and depth but whether the players that they've got in reserve are, are good enough to to step up Evan Nilsson's kind of unfortunately not uh, really impacting the team at the moment so the fact that Tony Martinez who uh, got assists got you know inf- was influential in the game and getting on the ball much more than Tarami I think that kind of performance is really important it's a funny one because I don't know whether he'll ever be Porto's starting striker even if they sell Medi Sarami, I wonder if they would look to to bring in somebody else or whether they would think see Evan Nilsson as the kind of natural heir to Sarami's throne. But I agree. I think he's a bit of an unsung hero at Porto, as a lot as a lot of these players are. You know, uh, that's what pleased me most about this performance was it used the whole squad and it showed that the whole squad is ready to to contribute when needed. It was a a ruthlessness and a sort of aggressiveness that I think we haven't seen in a little while from Porto. You know, they were really trying to attack Family Cal. Everyone, I mean, João Mari had so much joy on that right hand side against, and 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 you know, Family Cal going with Ivan Jamie protecting Lucas Moura left back. I think you're in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there should have been alarm bells there when that. When I mean, Simon had a good game, but he's not exactly going to cover his fullback, is he? No, exactly. That's exactly and and. Yeah, so I think the family cow are always in trouble. I mean, uh, just a, a one quick point on family cow, but I thought Rui Fonts up top was, I don't know, the reason it stood out for me always because I feel like it's it's, it's been ages since I've seen a, a striker for family cow put in a, a solid performance and be an option. You know, they started to create chances in the second half. He he was good, and I was surprised that it's only his first start since moving from Estoril in the summer. You know, and, uh, yeah, no, I thought he looked really good, but um, I don't know, family cow just always. It was very messy, wasn't it? And 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 it's great to see Ivan Jamie come back, like you mentioned. It's great to see him having a good game, but that back four and Lucas Moura left back, and it just oh, I don't know, didn't feel me any confidence. Yeah, I wonder if the players went into that game just never believing that that they were going to get a result, which I'm sure is so easy to do when when these clubs go away to to places like Porto um, and Benfica. Well, let's talk about Braga as well, Barney, because. They were equally grateful, I suppose, to to see Benfica drop points and, and have an opportunity to to close the gap on the title. Uh, they did so with a one 0 win over Burvista. They're now only four points behind Benfica after Benfica beating Benfica the other week. So you know they've managed to gain five points in in a couple of games uh, on the title. So really good for them. Uh, unlike Porto, I thought they made slightly harder work of this game uh, than they needed to. But for me, man, this game was all about that man, Vitinho out front with not only his goal, which made the difference, but his overall performance. He was the star of the show for me. I thought he could have had two or three if he had been more composed in the first half. Maybe that's something he needs to add to his game. He's still a young man. A bit of composure with the finishing. Um, but it was his work rate throughout this game, Barney, which which stood out. You know, everything was a sprint. Everything was energetic. He led from the front. He he, he pressed uh, from minute one to minute 90. He showed dedication. And he got his reward with one of the most bizarre goals you'll see this season. Let's be honest. Six seconds into the second half, he closes down a loose pass from Bovis's kickoff, pokes it past the goalkeeper, uh, and that's the goal that makes a difference. In a game where Braga were perhaps lacking the the fluidity, the the clinicalness that we've seen from them in recent games, it's a player like Vitinha who, who's willing to graft and just put a shift in that made the difference. And I thought he he just. He was fantastic. He really impressed me. Well, it's it's interesting you say all that because when the lineup came up and you know, considering how good Braga have been in their last few games, particularly that win against Benfica, the thing that Arthur George has changed 
has been playing with one striker and that striker being Alvaro Ruiz and bringing another midfielder um, in Andre Horta and 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 how and that seeming to work really really well. But I think what Vitinha has shown in this game and sort of playing slightly wide on the left, I'd say, was that he, perhaps he can have to go back, you know, have this option if if Vitinha and Alvaro Ruiz are the two strikers. Because yeah, I completely agree with everything you say. He was just raring to go. He would have been hungry to get back into that eleven. You know, it's it's. It is interesting that he, and I guess that's the, that's credit to the strength and Braga's attacking up players that, that he hasn't been able to become a, a, a regular starter. But he's every time he plays, he just you know that you, you notice something a bit different in, in his game that he's got to offer. And I think the one for me in this game was his tenaciousness and 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 his his real hunger. I know I've mentioned it before, but this was just a, a, a perfect performance for that. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Braga after the break. And I think, you know, after George deserves a lot of credit for sort of getting that spark back, which they sort of had at the beginning of the season and it sort of disappeared. And, and they've come back looking brilliant. Abel Ruiz, you know, has been really good uh, in these last few games. My relationship with Ruiz, Albert, is that, and since doing this podcast, is like the question is always when is he going to reach his potential? And, and, and I think this is one of those unfair expectations I put on so many players. Just because he's been from Barcelona's academy, my expectations are perhaps higher. But look, it's a really stupid way of thinking because if you look at what he's doing this season and and considering the play he was the last few seasons, he's become far more consistent. You know, he's always got that fantastic technical ability. But the, you know, these games recently, particularly one against Benfica, he just looks so much more polished, doesn't he? And and. I think that's going to be a really because you know Banza hasn't really panned out as we expected, but if Abu Ruiz can just keep going and going as he is, I think he's going to be such a good, such an important player for Barroca. Yeah, he, he is a funny one, isn't he? I think I wonder whether he himself has had a lot of kind of growing and learning to do as well. Like you say, coming from Barcelona to a new country, maybe he felt pressure to be the main man. He felt pressure to kind of, as you say, live up to expectations that a lot of people put on him, but. I think if he can kind of if he can learn to appreciate kind of what he has offered to this team and, and and take those expectations off his shoulders, like you say, I think that consistency will shine through. It's interesting looking at Braga's striking options as well. They've got three very good strikers, but three very different strikers in Simon Banza, uh, Abel Ruiz and 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 Young Vitinha. And it's it's really interesting how uh Arthur George rotates those players, plays some of them on their own up top, he plays different combinations of the two, he brings some on as as subs and I think they're quite close to to working out some kind of ecosystem between those three strikers which works because they all offer different things at different times and I think in this game Vitinha was perfect with his work rate in other games you'll need Ruiz who again I think does have a high work rate but he's got that technical ability that the other two don't have I think Ruiz is probably the best finisher of the two um, and then you've got Banza who just seems to to, to uh, be a magnet for the ball and and, and be able to find a goal at, with you know with very little opportunity. So, yeah, I think Ruiz has Im- improved recently, and that, that game against Benfica was was a great game for him personally. Um, I think perhaps he might feel a little bit hard done by not to be starting because he also played well in the cup against Victoria, didn't he? But you know, yeah, like I say, if these players can all kind of learn to appreciate the ecosystem that they're in, take the pressure off themselves, and just allow themselves to kind of to learn and grow, which I think after George will help them do, then I think all of them could improve, um, not just Vitinha, but also Banza and, and Ruiz. So, so yeah, positive signs for, for Braga, but definitely with those striking options. Yeah, I mean, one last player I wanted to give, give a bit of 
uh, praised was Victor Gomez, the back in at right back. I think it was was it the Sporting game, first game of the season. He came off a few injured a few minutes, but you know he's a great offering. You know, good width, pace, and and most importantly, you know, a sort of better final pass than uh, Fabiano might be might be offering in that in that same position. So yeah. If I was going to give some credit to Bovisal, but as perhaps that they were unlucky not to go ahead in the first half, you know, Yusufa and G, who I feel like is someone I always say doesn't get enough credit. And but I don't know how much it's inconsistent or how much opportunity, but because uh, I would love to see the amount of points and G's goals have earned Bovisal over the years. You know, he got that goal last week, he got them the three points, but you know, he missed a couple of very decent chances in that first half. And 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 you know, who who knows what could have happened if, if they got that going. But I mean, I, I think overall for Bovisal, it. I'm starting to lean towards the fact that we've been maybe a little too complimentary to them. I think I think they've perhaps been slightly overachieving, you know, seeing that defensive line in this game. I mean, the Bacardian Bacall- goal has been excellent and is, is, is another player uh, who perhaps doesn't get enough praise. But apart from that, I think, you know, I, Bacardian Mangas playing as a left midfielder, I don't know, it, it, I'm starting to feel that they're perhaps weaker than I might have uh, imagined them to be uh, earlier in the season. Yeah, they had a good patch of form, but once that form kind of wears off and, and the cracks start to show that, uh, you know, the drop-off is, is quite sudden, I agree with that. I think they're a team that could probably do reinforcements in January, to be honest. The team's not super strong and there's not great depth. You know, they could do with a decent centre-back, I reckon. But but yeah, look, I mean, if Ng takes one of his chances, then maybe it's a different game, but um, it is what it is. And, and I think they'll have to take the loss on the gym because uh, I think they were second best in this game. Well, let's do one last game in depth, Barney, because I think we have to talk about Passos de Ferreira, who did what everyone thought that they couldn't do this season by getting a win for the first time this season. It was also the first game under their new manager, Cesar Pachotto. And if you haven't been keeping up, then yes, that is the same manager that they started the season with and then sacked two months ago, only to reappoint them after his replacement turned out to also be pretty rubbish. Allegedly, he came back at the request of the players. But to be fair, despite this bizarre situation, he is a very serious manager and genuinely someone who believes that he can turn around Passos' fortunes. And what better way to do that than get their first win of the season away at Rio Ave. A first half free kick from Nigel Thomas and a good 60 minutes of backs-to-the-wall defending were enough to get them three three points. And what a huge boost that is going to be to them, Barney. Psychologically, you will not see a bigger win this season for any team than this one. I mean, it's, it, they worked out how to um, get a new manager bounce with the same manager. This could be, I think this is a really significant point in, in passes for us re, re, uh, season. And I know that's obvious to say, but if it's true that uh, that's reported that the players sort of made a stand and, and asked for the Pachotto back. I've, and, and let's be honest, who, who those players would have been, it's, it's the same players we talk about every week, Antunas, Luis Carlos, those experienced players. But, but the ones who I think are going to benefit from this the most is it, is the younger ones. And it's the players like Matt Jao, who, you know, has been given a huge opportunity at number 10 this this season for Pastor Freire. And I, I think in time will get better and better. And... Nigel Thomas, the goal scorer, because I was thinking about him, Albert, you know, Pachotti did show a lot of faith in him and he and he's never really performed, but he kept, you know, he, he's kept faith in him and he kept selecting him. And and, and that's only going to benefit. And you, you've got to trust the process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And and, and with Pachotti, I think, I'm really hoping that, you know, the, 
those 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 sort of players will start to flourish and he'll reap the rewards of, of being so loyal to them. It was an absolute huge win and I don't want to oversimplify things as well, but I, but I, I, Lewis Collar's back on the team. You know, <laughs> I've been calling for it all season, but you know, there's. I think you've got to. It, it brings a bit of something to them. It certainly does. The thing to remember is that this is such an inexperienced squad. There's a lot of young players in that side. There's a lot, a lot of new signings, and I think the difficulty has been that those players have struggled to deal with the situation psychologically I think because of course you've got those leaders in the team you're Antunes you've got Nico Gaetan you've got Luis Carlos as you say there are leaders in that team but I just think they've never been able to break that barrier that psychological barrier that's been holding them back all season and that's why I say this is probably the most important win for any team in the league this season because it's just a huge psychological block that has now been shattered uh, and I think they can really kick on now this season because although I do think they've probably got one of the four or five weakest squads in the league this season, I don't necessarily think they've got the weakest. So I don't think there's any reason why this team should sit as they have been rock bottom of the table with no wins. I'm not saying that I think they're a great team. I just don't think that they necessarily are the worst team in this league by the distance that they have been. I think hopefully now they will start to believe that. And as you say, with with those leaders, with Antunes, with Luis Carlos and with the manager back, I think if everyone can start buying into what they're doing, and, and you were right to use Nigel Thomas as an example, a young player like that, a young kid who's just trying to make his way in the game, who's, is he on loan at Passos? You know, he, he's kind of joined hoping, you know, to 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 learn and to, and to grow and to experience men's football, but he's been shoved into this situation which is so difficult mentally to deal with and I think now that those players have, have given themselves a chance of getting out of that mental slump I think this could be a real opportunity for them to to start turning their season around which is just incredible to think seeing as they haven't won since the beginning of the season the funny thing for me is Brian if I was if I was Santa Clara if I was Marie tomorrow if I was your percent I would be absolutely gutted looking at this result because you've been taking them for granted all season, right? Those teams in the bottom four, bottom five, they would have been taking Passos for granted all season going, well, look, that's a team that's dead and buried. They're going down. That's one relegation spot that I don't have to worry about. Well, maybe now they do have to start worrying about because they're on six points. They're eight points off safety, technically. Um, I think they're four points off the relegation playoff spot. So it's not impossible but they've given themselves a fighting chance. And, you know, we're having a bit of a laugh here. But in all seriousness, Barney, I think we do have to give this question a little bit of consideration. And, is, and that is, do you think they have what it takes to survive from where they are in the, in the table right now? Well, it sort of goes back to, you know, that, that thing I was saying earlier about, you know, if, if the players making a stand. It, it's because they believe, right, that that, that that was the right move to make getting, getting a sacked manager back in. You know, that says a lot. And if if they believe it, and as you've alluded to there, you know, the, the talent that is in that squad just sort of waiting to sort of be unearthed and uh, and step up, you know, I feel like I'm never going to write past myself out. Like, <laughs> you know, I love them too much, but it, it's going to be hard, certainly. But, but, you know, like you said, they, they were back against the wall. They did what they needed to do to grind out the three points. You know, that's the important thing here, three points, and, and they, they did that. So, you know, they've just got to be able to, just got to keep doing that for the rest of the season, really. 
I mean, I, I'll talk about Rio Ave a little bit because I think they're just they're getting into a weird state, aren't they? I think there was obviously the rumours with um, Yakuba as, as he's uh, potentially moving. That sort of fell through, but you never know that's going to come back. Um, Pedro Amel, their the, the left back, who I highly rate, is, is, is all but moves abroad as well now. So, you know, a team coming up, we sort of had a, and what was that prestige around them as well, of being sort of a, 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 a club for the, for the top division. I uh, saw, sort of, you know, they've, they've been sort of ticking along, but I, I'm starting to get a little worried for them that they could find themselves slipping down further the closest to relegation spots. When they came up, I thought they had an opportunity to be one of those teams to watch, you know, one of those teams who come up and, and impress us um, in straight away the next season. But it hasn't quite happened. They haven't, they've struggled for consistency, definitely. I'm not sure what that's down to. I think, uh, I think they've got a good manager in place and they've got good players, but they've definitely struggled for consistency. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be safe, but I think this is going to be a pretty unremarkable season. And, you know, in a nice possible way, no one wanted to be the team that that got beat by Passos first and, and now they have to kind of take that. Maybe they'll use that as some kind of fire for their next game. But um, in general, I think they'll be all right, if perhaps a little unremarkable this season. Right, well, it's been a little while since we've done this, but to close out the show, we are going to do a rundown of all the results from this weekend and a little look uh, at the table. So let's start, Barney, with uh, the Monday night games. And we were treated to two Monday night games, bizarrely. One at 7pm and incredibly there was a game at kicking off at 9.15pm uh, on a Monday night uh, and that was Gilles Vicent versus Vittoria. Uh, Gilles Vicent actually won that game 2-1. I backed Vittoria to win the games of Gilles Vicent not in big, been in good form but Vittoria managed to do what they've done twice uh, this week in the last seven days which was lose a game when they had originally gone ahead. They had a good first half. They got a good first goal from Anderson Silva, but Gilles Vicente equalised. They had opportunities to score some great saves from Bruno Barella. Uh, and then Anderson Silva, the man who'd scored Victoria's goal, gets himself sent off uh, with a second yellow card for diving. Crazy game, Barney. Uh, valuable three points for Gilles Vicente. Gilles Vicente in 15th place in the table and Victoria still hanging on to sixth spot. Positives for Vittorio, I'd say, is the, the return of injured players, uh, Maga, a uh, right wing back, and, and Andre Silva as well returning to the team. You know, those are, those are two big players for them who we thought were going to be potential stars this season. So it's great for them to come back. Fran Navarro, I think he's got like 26 goals and 48 games in the league. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's not bad. And, and I, I don't even know. I said that everybody knows how, how good he is. <laughs> but I'm, I'm interested in Gilbert since transfer activity as well you know they've uh there's brought back z carlos from uh prago who'd been out and that i i'd be for i think and then so getting him back in uh right back uh, you know as, as good as crass has been you know that'll be a good addition and yeah they just they they needed they needed a performance they said uh, percent so yeah i'm really happy for them yeah very valuable three points for zero percent uh a bit of a slip on for victoria but still in a good position and the other game on monday night s2 2 Kazapir Neil again a bit of a surprise I would have backed Kazapir to win that game Estoril also not been in great form but uh, two standout performances for me in that game uh, Tiago Gouveia on loan from Benfica who did fantastically well and of course that man Francisco Giraldez who scored a penalty and provided an assist and uh, was generally fantastic for Estoril so uh, very valuable three points for Estoril Kazapir remain in fifth place uh, despite that loss um, going back to Saturday, of course, Barney, an interesting game that I picked up on. Shavers won Aruga one, a game that didn't really affect either of these teams' league places, but a very rare game 
where both goals were scored by penalty-taking centre-backs. Um, just a little fun fact for you there, as Basso and Stephen Vittoria got the goals in that game. Barney, a team that we continue to underrepresent on this podcast and we really have to focus on soon is Aruka, who are sitting in an incredible seventh place and no one is talking about it. 23 points, they're one point behind Vittoria. And I'm going to say it now, Barney, Aruka are going to Europe. I don't mind that, man. I, I, I really <laughs> don't mind that. I remember talking at the beginning of the season uh, you know, about how perhaps underrated their transfer activity had been and the squad they've been you know, forming. You know, players like a Stiller, I think a, a Ghanaian um, midfielder play, wears number two, but play, was playing right wing in that game. You know, Oli Dagba as well as a player who's is, is, is regularly scored for them. And, and, and just, yeah, I, I, I think they're certainly... I know they've got that the American Benji Michael, you know, that just adds that <laughs> that bit more interest, you know. I, I a little bit just, of Hollywood in the side now. <laughs> just what they needed. But yeah, I think you're, you're definitely right, man. They're, they're definitely a team to to perhaps we need to definitely spend some more time on. Well, who knows how long it will last, but just really important to give credit to Aruka, who I think we've backed for relegation two seasons in a row now and they've proved us wrong twice. So uh really good stuff from them. And of course, the two other games that happened this weekend, Barney, Porto Lens and Santa Clara, nil-nil on the Friday. Uh, but Vizela versus Marito was a bit more interesting. Vizela won 3-0. They scored two goals in the first five minutes. Marito were riding high off that that win over Sporting. That was so valuable to them. They're also struggling in the relegation places. But I think when you can see two goals in the first five minutes, the players are not switched on. And it's just, it's so hard to come back from because, you know, you can get the mentality back and you can start to perform. But you're basically playing the game from from 2-0 down from kickoff so it was a bit of a write-off after five minutes funny old game oh i i, I mean seeing the highlights of this one Vizella just look ridiculous they were just didn't let them breathe in, the, in that opening passages some and some lovely goals as well um you know kika bonzoso samu uh, combining well with uh, Oz magic who uh, jamie Farr's written a lovely uh piece about on um uh, portugal.net for his figure of the week um, piece, yeah. I think the thing I say about Gazella, Albert, I, I know you've you said it before, but I just think they do play good football, and I think Pacheco sacking, you know, it's a, it was a real shame, and I think he was he got them doing that, and it's great to see that they seem to be continuing that with, with their new manager. And sorry, I know this is a pointless thing to say, but I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention that Marito have players called uh, Percy Lizza and Stanley Cano. So that's quite nice. Personally and Stanley. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, look, let's quickly run through those league table places for you then. In first, Benfica. Second, Braga. Third, Porto. Fourth, Sporting. And fifth, Casapia. That hasn't changed from last week. Vittoria also continue to hold on to sixth. And as I said, Aruka are in seventh. Mid-table is very congested. You've got your teams, your Vizelas, Chavez, Rio Ave, Porto Menendez, Boa Vista, all those teams close together only four points separate seventh place and 13th place so it does get very congested and down the bottom of the table of course Passos still in bottom place after that win Marito still in 17th and Santa Clara Gil Vicente Barney the two teams that probably need to be looking over their shoulder they're in 16th and 15th so there's not been a lot of change since the last time we spoke but uh, the table is of course taking more and more of a solidified shape well brings us to the end of the show but as always we will just leave you with some recommendations of games that we think you should watch next week and i think i'll kick us off this week barney and um, there's not too many standout games for me uh, there's one or two what i will suggest to people though is you could have an excellent friday night of Premier league of football if you fancy a double header because you've got the undercard 
Aruka versus Porto Menendez. Aruka, we've just said, a team that people need to be paying more attention to. So I'm going to make a, an effort to watch that game on Friday night. And you can follow that up with Sporting versus Vizela, the late night game, 9.15 p.m. kickoff uh, on a Friday. I think Sporting will be interesting to watch to see where they're at. Uh, and Vizela, as we've said, have been, have been scoring goals and playing well. So that could be uh, an interesting test for Sporting. Go on, Barney, what have you got for us? Well, the the the, the other big three of um, no, that's a lie. I was going to say the other big three have uh, interesting games, but I think Benfica <laughs> Santa Clara should be a pretty easy one. Uh, Victoria Porto <laughs> could be nice on the Saturday. Um, I guess it's games like you know it passes the Freire Braga could pass us. You know, are they on the up? Um, and Casapia as well, another sort of interesting game that could be a good one to watch on a Sunday. Maybe that's the one I'd suggest actually. Casapia, you were sent six o'clock on Sunday. That could be. A, and that's okay. Well, you say they're not interested in Barney, but you know, Benfica going away to the Azores, we know with the conditions that can be a tough game. Two teams with the same badge playing against each other is always an interesting watch. And then I think Victoria versus Porto, that's an interesting game actually on the on the Saturday night. That could be that could be the tie of the weekend. Victoria, you know, obviously not quite a Porto standard, but that will be uh, that will be a tough game. And of course, the Monday night fixture, Bovista versus Chavez, a little bit of fun on the Monday night. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed listening, you could leave us uh, a little review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great for us uh, to try and reach more people. Or if you're listening on Spotify, uh, you could leave us a star rating. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at LongBallFootball. Uh, and we always enjoy getting involved in you guys' conversations. Uh, send us any messages or, or tweets that you want. Um, but I just used to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week